0: Welcome to episode 45 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jamison Doral and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience that likes to help people learn more about video game development. Today I'm joined by Anne Childen. She's a senior technical designer at Deep Silver Volition. We talk about what technical design is and how she discovered her passion for it, our time working together at Deep Silver Volition, and how important networking is in the game development industry. Don't forget you can join the conversation live every Wednesday at 7pm Eastern over at twitch.tv forward slash Jamison Doral. There's a link in the show notes if you want to come get your questions answered live next time. For now, let's get this episode started. Welcome! How are you?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I am great. Long time no talk, right? Like what, 24 hours?
1: (laughs) What, last
0: night? Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to do this. I know we started talking months ago about trying to find a time, and I'm glad that it finally worked out
1: yeah it is one of those is like every time plus on top of that i used to have D on wednesday nights and uh, at this time and we finally moved it to tuesday nights so oh nice i finally had a wednesday night free
0: sweet hey well we appreciate it and we're definitely glad to have you so, yeah. so we're going to start uh and talk through your your time leading up to you know what figuring out what you wanted to do go through your career people are going to throw questions into the chat i'll do my best to keep an eye on that and work them in uh but we're just kind of a fun conversation so i'm looking forward to it
1: yeah so um i you know i don't really know where to kind of start cuz it was just kind of all over the place i didn't know what i wanted to do um yeah you know, so when like when you were college, in high school
0: what were you thinking about like growing up
1: i well i mean when i was little um my mother will never let me live this down. Um, I, I wanted to be an archaeo which is something I made up because I couldn't decide between the three. <laughs> um, but uh, I think by the time I got to high school, I really wanted to get into history, and um, I, I started getting into history, and then it was one of those where I just wasn't getting stimulated enough doing, you know, studying history. I still love to study history, but... Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old, uh, you know, when I was in high school, we had one computer class, it was on windows 3.1 and it was learning how to use word because yep. Microsoft word had not been exist, you know, had not been invented yet. And, um, so I think when I was in college, I took a uh, hi- uh, like intro level computer programming class, um, where you learn like visual basic and html and all of that and i just kind of um realized i loved playing with computers and i mean and i had a like i had a commodore 64 growing up we had a pc in the house and everything but um i never really you know thought about going into computers until i started going to college and trying to figure out what i wanted to do and then um I never thought about doing games. I didn't even know it was, like, an option to make games for a living. And uh, I was in school for computers, uh, computer engineering, and um, I was working at EB at the time, uh, Mm -hmm. EB Games. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, you know you could just make games for a living. And I was like, (laughs) how? And... um, he actually was the one who introduced me to Full Sail. He he told me about Full Sail and um, I started looking into that and was like, yep, this is this is what's for me and uh, ended up going to Full Sail and yeah, the rest is kind of history on that aspect.
0: Oh, we're going to dig so. into that a little bit more for sure. <laughs> what's interesting <laughs> is I can tell that I am older than you because it was electronics boutique for me at first and it became EB Games later.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, it was electronics, we took star work. It was like software, et cetera. This is back in the days of software, et cetera, um, and yep. EB, the giant rivalry between the two. Yep. Um, and then uh, I ended up working at one that was uh, an EBX, oh, which what's... is the fancy version. Ooh. Um, and. Uh, so,, uh, yeah, I worked at EBX, and then I switched over to an a different store that was actually an E b games that was after. They had changed the name. And um, yeah, I actually remember uh, I think when I was at full sale, I was in programming Two, and uh, Halo Two and World of Warcraft came out at that time oh, at wow. the same time. And my old manager called me up and he's like would you be willing to work one night um to deal with the the uh night um rush of the night <laughs> release and uh yeah i um unfortunately i had class at night at that point so i was like i'm sorry i can't but yeah that was that was fun that was a ton of games got released during programming too <laughs>
0: Oh man, yeah. That's that was a crazy time. That's like what two thousand five, right? In, right in that neighborhood, I believe.
1: Um, yeah, I think it was the, it was either two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah. Um, I think programming two, programming two was a two month course at that time. And I when I was there, it split between the two. I, uh, I had it on uh like the first month was in December of two thousand four, and uh, then January two thousand five. So so but, let, yeah that was crazy yeah. <laughs> That was a crazy time
0: yeah so wait so were you working there while you were at full sale did you continue to work no. there okay
1: no i i um i was working in tampa and i left EV and then moved moved up to orlando to okay. go full sale full time
0: gotcha so and okay so let's talk about your full sale time when you got there what what was your like initial impression uh, when you got to the school and 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 saw the program because at this point that degree had been around for about 5 years.
1: No, well, it was um, the the game dev program, the the associate's have been around for a little bit, but we were at the very beginning of the bachelor's program.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and the bachelor's program had only been around for a year, so nobody had fully gone through the full right. bachelor's program by that point, which was kind of intimidating because you didn't know what to expect. Um, but uh, it was it was overwhelming at first. I was I was extremely overwhelming, and I came in with very little programming knowledge, um, and I was with people who had been programming through high school and middle school and all their lives, and I'm like, I I struggled a lot on the programming classes, but on the flip side, I did really well with the math classes. Mm. So um, it was very easy to find, like, study partners, because you could be like, I'll help you with math if you help me with programming. Um, at, at the very beginning when we were doing calculus and linear algebra, because I that was, um, like, my my area that I could feel comfortable in, but it was one of those like I was never bored in class and (laughs) that was always my issue in a regular university was that I would get bored yeah and then I wouldn't do the work and at full sales you can't get bored because things change so fast and you go through it so fast that it just you know fly through and you never have that opportunity to get bored.
0: Yeah. I was the same way. I was not a good traditional learner. That was why yeah. it was a good program for me. And I hadn't had any programming experience either. So I came in completely blind and scared the shit out of me to be honest. Like it was
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I was I, I think my first programming class I was just sitting there like it it was a C it was a C class and I at that point knew basic. I knew Visual Basic and I knew HTML. And I was like, uh, I, I have no clue and I'm learning (laughs) pointers and all this other stuff. And I'm just like,
0: pointers are so hard to learn at first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're hard to get your head wrapped around. Once you get your head wrapped around it, it's, it's like easy, but you know what? It's getting that initial learning curve.
0: Yeah, definitely. So at what point during the program, did you start to feel like, okay, I I feel like I'm kind of getting this. Cause it, it was a 20 um, month program, right? Thereabouts for it the was 21 months. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, I went through a lot, um, during the program. Cause I went into it thinking that I wanted to be a programmer. And then I started realizing I like design more. Mm. And and then I started having a mild identity crisis and trying to figure out, am I doing this right? Am, am I doing the right thing by going into programming? And um, that was, uh, I, I think, like, there, there would be classes where it would be like, yes, this is for me, and then there would be classes where it's like, my God, what am I getting myself into? And um, that... I I think that lasted almost the entire time through full sale. Um, And I mean, and I deal in, you know, full disclosure, I deal with, uh, imposter syndrome constantly. So, you know, that was the other thing is like, it's, are you constantly dealing with imposter syndrome or are you trying to figure out what's really right for you or what? So
0: we're more alike than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That's just... So,
1: fun fact, though, yeah. I, I will bring this up. Um, the month before, and I actually have it somewhere in that whole section over there. I didn't pull it out before um, I got into this, but there is a Play magazine that I have that was right before I started at Full Sail mm-hmm. that you were interviewed for. What?
0: Play magazine? <laughs>
1: Oh, I, no. uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a play magazine. It's uh, for, I believe it was Munch. Uh, it was Munches.
0: Oh, it was for Stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what, that, okay. Okay. Oh my gosh, uh, I don't know if I've ever even seen that.
1: Okay, I, w- I will have to dig it out and find it for you because, yeah, I I just <laughs> moved and was unpacking it and was looking through these magazines and I'm like, oh, there's Jameson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I want to see that. That's funny
1: yeah hmm. I, I I will dig it out and uh, try and like scan it or something yeah. In the yeah
0: well, see this is nowadays you just take a picture with your phone, right? That's how we do everything oh,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I, I could just... yeah, I, I would, would love forget to see about that. that option, oh my, I can't imagine how ill-informed I sound at you know three years into the industry, me, yeah, so that'll be interesting to to see <laughs> so yeah, I
1: just I saw that I was like, oh
0: that's funny so when you were like as you were making your way through and getting to like final project i love talking about final project at full cell because i think that's when everything starts to click for people was that the case for you did you like was that the moment for you when things started coming together
1: Um, I think actually, I think, uh, SGP, SGP was the first project class that we did. Um, I think that started to kind of put it together and then final project really kind of sealed the deal.
0: Was that still Dustin Um, Klingman in SGP when you went through? Yes. We
1: still had Wheel of Misfortune. Okay. I see.
0: I didn't have that, but I've heard (laughs) a lot of stories.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wheel of Misfortune is, uh, there's. One thing, if I ever interview somebody from Full Sail that graduated within a certain time frame, one of my questions is always, what was your will of misfortune? And almost every single person remembers theirs. I've heard so they're pretty had,
0: bad, yeah, or at least pretty difficult to deal with. localization.
1: Right? I think one of ours was localization, and the other one was uh, early submission. So we have to turn in <laughs> early.
0: So so for those that aren't familiar, when you do your, your final project at Full Sail, They 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 would spin this wheel and there's a a bunch like a no this
1: was just SGP
0: oh yeah yeah sorry SGP you're right sorry they they would spin this wheel and whatever came up was a a a basically a a a bad thing that you would get thrown on to the top of your project that you had to deal with so it's like to emulate we never know what's going to happen in the industry right like who knows what kind of problem we're going to have to deal with this month this is yours and there's some doozies on there from what I hear
1: yeah. There there were there was some like lose a team member. Um there are some Whoa. good things too. There's like uh late submission, so you oh. can turn in late. All right. Um but I'm guessing yeah, there weren't many was,
0: of the good ones though, right?
1: Not, not the the the, the disparity was there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's good so, though. SGP. Now when I went through there, we did that's where we did our first uh asteroids clone. And something else that's what we, when i went through that's what we did so but it sounds like um, you had a unique project when you were there
1: yeah so we had there was sgd and then sgp was afterwards and sgd you had to do like a pong i think um i know we did a uh, Bomberman um mm. and another one that is escaping me at the moment um and then SGP was a two-month project and it mm. was a group project and you had to um, create it. And for most people, it was 2D. Uh, we have one group in our class that did 3D. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's really your first major group project.
0: Okay. Yeah, and, and that's a thing that whenever people are learning how to make games... And you're trying to kind of grasp your own knowledge and, and, you know, kind of get comfortable with things. Now, all of a sudden you're relying on, you know, a couple of other people that are also learning, man, that, yeah. that adds a whole new level of potential, but mostly frustration, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's, it is one of those where it, that's where you see, you know, people's strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. and that's where you can identify your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, And I think that's one of the best things about that um, class was that you really could figure out where you wanted to focus Mm. and um, where you were most comfortable with. Um, And then also kind of push yourself out of the box of, you know, being comfortable and all that and try and do new things and. Um thankfully like my group we had an awesome group that you know balanced each other pretty well and uh, same with my final project we had a really good balanced group where um we complemented each other essentially yeah. and um, that worked out well
0: nice um, that's rare but that's awesome <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: all right
0: so so then as you finished up that project, that that was around the mid midpoint, right? That's the midpoint. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then as you kind of left there with with a, a better kind of feeling about everything and we're moving through the second half of the program. What what was that like for you? Did you have Dave Arneson then? Did you yes. did,
2: Okay,
1: good. Good. Um yes, I did. And actually um, right after that uh, I got to uh, there was a brief time that there was this project at Full Sail called uh, Girls and Games, mm. and I got to work with Dave Arneson on that, um, which is basically uh, brought in some um, middle school and high school girls uh, and taught them how to use Game Maker and make their own games. Oh,
0: that's awesome!
1: Um, and it, it it was a really fun experience. Um, it's been. You know, really neat now seeing um, there's an organization called Girls Make Games that's very similar and does a lot of the same stuff. And um, I love being able to uh, partner with them and help them out where I can. And so, uh, but it's a great organization. Nice. And um, when I first learned about it, I was like, oh. I know what this is like, yay. Uh, <laughs> well, going so, through Full
0: Sail, you were probably one of the very few females, right? Especially in that program.
1: Yeah, I think by the time I graduated in the entire program, there were six.
0: Yeah. There were um, none when I went through. So at least yeah. it's getting better, right?
1: <laughs> I, I was, uh, when we started, there were three. And when I graduated, it was just me.
0: Wow. Ooh, that's, mm. <laughs> we We should dig into that a little, but uh <laughs> but that's yeah that's uh that sucks, that really sucks i i I hope and and now i i I'm hesitant to to mention it yet, but we've got to do so much more to to yeah. encourage females in this industry and make it a, a better and safer place and I mean it's such a wild what a interesting time for you to be on here with, with what's happening today with, with Activision Blizzard, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, I don't even know what to say about it other than like my heart's broken, you know, like we, 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 we gotta be better and hopefully even with education and everything we're doing, we can get better. We need to just make the whole thing better.
1: Yeah. I will say this, like, I love going back to Full Sail now and you know, whenever they give me the opportunity to come back and speak. Um, because I go into rooms now and it's like over half of them are female and I'm just like,
2: oh Yay. my gosh. <laughs>
1: um I, you know, I don't know how to handle this. Um and I, so I love going back to full cent now because it is making it, it has improved a lot. I mean, when I started in the industry I guess 15 years ago, um, I think we it was only like ten percent female. And I think as of lo- the gdc survey that they did it's like 21 percent now so nice. i mean we are moving in the right direction yeah so.
0: that and we have to we got to get better and luckily we are getting better we, we see that it has improved and it but it's we still got a long way to go a long way to go but we'll get there and hopefully these kind of things will be a good catalyst for making the right kind of change so yeah but let's talk <laughs> about you <laughs> 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 so so as you're finishing up your time, you get to find what was your capstone project like? Was it at that point, was it a four month pro uh, thing or how it was five. It was five, okay.
1: Five months. Um so the first month was solely design, I believe. Okay. Um I forgot what the second month was, and then the last three months was the work.
0: Well, it's usually like uh, you know, the design, then some prototyping, right? And then the last three months of building, right? At least that's that's generally, you know, the way that they went.
1: Yeah, we did, because we kind of had to build our own engine and everything. Oh. So, yeah, we didn't have tools back then.
0: Right. Um,
1: so, it, it was one of those, like, I remember one of our classes, we got to play with the original Unreal level editor. Oh. Yeah. Um, and that was one of my first experiences with editors and I loved it. (laughs) And I went from that to Neverwinter night mods, like almost instantly. I was like, Oh, I have other options here. Um, but yeah, back then we had to build our own engine and everything. Um, so I think a lot of the second month was architecture planning.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And that's such a wild thing too. Like you and I've been through this several times where, the studio is building the tech while we're building the game and it's such a terrible way to do it, but we often don't have the choice, but you know, in that scenario, that's what you had to do, right? You plan it yeah. and then now it's all coming up together and that's, that's really tough.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's even worse when, uh, the laptop that has all your AI programming gets stolen in the middle of final project. Um, are
0: you serious? <laughs> oh no um
1: thankfully like we did have source control so a lot of it was you know backed up but we did lose some stuff that had to be rewritten and you know we had uh one guy who was actually just dedicated not completely dedicated he did do other stuff but he really took over the ai and was able to make up um for that but uh yeah that was our, our final project was Curse. Um. <laughs> I mean, that's
0: one thing I like about that, though, where you can kind of hopefully get a sense of what you enjoy and are good at and and dig into it a bit yeah. more. Like someone being able to, to really go into AI. Hopefully it's something that they liked and cared about. If not, they they either learn they love it or they hate it, right? One of those two things is probably going to happen. Uh, but yeah. like coming out with some kind of specialty, I think, is is really nice. It doesn't always happen
1: well, it it just kind of gives you an idea of where you want to put your focus, especially yeah. when you're doing predominantly programming because there's so many areas of programming that you can go into, right? Yeah, and um, even if, like you can't get an entry level position in that level in that area, like you know, I know a lot of people who are into rendering, and there's not a lot of entry level rendering jobs. But um, you know, they can go into other areas they have that ability but they know that that's where you know their five-year plan is to go into rendering right and um or ai or any of those um but i do think it does help and you know one of uh the members of our team ended up really really liking production and Mm. uh moved into production um i really like design and So
0: I ended up switching over to design. Nice. Well, design with a technical, like your technical skill set is really strong, right? So like, that's, that's a, that's a really good foundation for design. Cause if you got the mind for it and then you can actually build and prototype and and create the things that you're thinking about, that's, that's, that's really strong.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it did, it did help. Um, me get a job, kind of, because I did have that background. and I started my you know my first real non indie job um was uh, at a very, very small company. And um at the time I started, we didn't even have a scripting language that we used. Everything oh, was wow. coded. Um, so being able to, you know, go into code and make the changes I needed to get what I wanted, um really did help yeah so um that was that was fun and interesting and then it was really kind of crazy going to volition and being like i don't have to touch the code and oh my god i have all these tools and (laughs) i don't know what to do and um i absolutely fell in love with the tools because it was like y'all don't know how awesome this is
0: man it it does get taken for granted at times i believe like yeah when you, when you have nothing like we did going through those programs, seeing like having tools to just like easily do the things that took us hours before is it feels so good. It feels so good.
1: It really does. I, I mean, and you know, now my job as a tech designer, like one of the biggest compliments or measures of success is when people say I was able to do this and it's easier to just prototype it than it is to explain it.
2: That's And
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, awesome. that 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 always brings a huge smile to my face because I always get really excited when somebody says that. I'm like yay.
0: <laughs> that's that's great. I love that. So uh, when you were finishing up your time at Full Sail, did you know tech design was something that you were interested yeah. in? Okay. So what was I what did. was like your few last few months like?
1: Um, my last few. My last few months was, you know, A, trying to get through final project. Right. (laughs) um, And uh, B, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to go into programming? Would I be able to get into design? Um, You know, because it really was more of a programming degree than a design degree. And back then it was really hard to get an entry-level design position. Yeah. And um, so it was really trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and just kind of like in massive freakout mode, um, just trying to figure out, you know, oh my God, I'm almost at the end of this and I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, let's figure something out real fast, please. And um, I ended up thankfully being able to get a design position and starting as a, I actually, my first game, I was lead designer. Um, I don't suggest going what? and doing that. But um, uh, well,
0: walk walk us through how you got that first job, because like we have so many people who are like, "I'm trying to break into the industry. What what do I do?" So like, how did you present yourself, and how did the opportunity like kind of present itself?
1: I um, I had moved back home, and you know was just working retail jobs until I could find something. And I was applying everywhere and I was, you know, it's tri- the same issue everybody runs into, just trying to break into um, the industry. Yeah. And I had, uh, I don't know where I saw it, but it was like some obscure website. I saw a listing for a design position in my hometown, which there are not a lot of game oh, studios wow. here. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, okay. And uh, I interviewed with them and it was they were doing it was kind of like a port for Cake Mania 2 on the PC, but it was for the Wii. Um, And there was going to be, you know, some changes and whatnot. And um, I've been playing Cake Mania 2. I love time games like that. Um, And I love strategy games. So uh, I have been playing Cake Mania 2. When I interviewed, I did not know. At all that it had to do with Cake Mania, um, so halfway through the interview, I was asked, "Have you ever heard of Cake Mania?" I was like, "Yeah, I play it all the time," and they're like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, so I was able to sit there and basically explain the entire game, and you know how I would you know approach doing a port to the Wii for it and all of that. And that's how I got the job. I think
0: that's, I mean, I, would I, say I don't so. know the background of that. <laughs> I don't know
1: what happened behind the scenes, but.
0: <laughs> I mean, that seems pretty uh, convincing, right? Like when, a, when, when they're already interested in you enough to bring you into an interview because they like your skill set on paper and then you can talk to them about their game and exactly the work they're doing. Of yeah. course you got that job. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, that's uh, that actually is uh, pretty much how I got the job, I think, is because I knew about Kickmania. Um, so I always say, you know, play casual games as much as you play, um, you know, console games or PC games because it does um, it does make a difference.
0: It's a very different mindset. I agree. Yeah.
1: It's also, like, it's just really good practice, especially if you want to get into design because – there are so many things that you can learn from the mobile games that transfer over to AAA games.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So what was the name of this company?
1: Uh, Gorilla Systems Corporation.
0: Gorilla Systems. Okay. So, and so, so you came on to help with a port of Cake Mania. Yeah. That was the first thing you worked on.
1: Uh, yeah, it wasn't the first thing that got published that I worked on, but it was the first thing that I worked on, Mm -hmm. um, at the time. Uh, They were doing a uh, Nancy Drew title um, and I ended up jumping in and helping out doing some design for mazes in that, um, which for me, I grew up on Nancy Drew, so I was like totally fangirling out on that one. Um, And then they were, in conjunction with Cake Mania, they were working on uh, the first All-Star Cheer Squad and... um, I kind of started inserting myself into certain things because out of everybody in the studio, I was the only one who had a dance background. Um, so I would be correcting things that they were <laughs> um, uh There is a really funny story when we got VO in and uh, everything was saying ply when it was supposed to be plié. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I had to like just run and be like, "You do understand this is pronounced plie, right? <laughs> um, so uh, i kind I kind of just started working on that, uh, predominantly as a routine designer. We built each and every routine in that game by hand, um, and uh, helping with the moves and stuff like that. And then when, we started doing all star Cheer squad two. I ended up being put in a more lead position and all of that. So,
0: okay. So, how, how long were you at Gorilla? Two years. Okay. And this was what, like 2006, uh, seven?
1: 2000, 2007 to 2009. Okay.
0: I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Because, uh, well, okay. Let, well, let's let's finish let's finish talking about that. So, You, how how many projects did you work on while you were there?
1: Shipped. Well, I mean, no, Um, just
0: like, well, yes, shipped, but also worked on because those are very different things. You're right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I worked on, I I, I shipped six titles. Wow. In two years. Um, (laughs) yeah, that was fun. Uh, I think I worked on probably, I know I worked on at least three that were canceled. Um, it might've been bigger. I, that number might be bigger, but, um, I know of at least three off the okay. top of my head that were canceled.
0: And what kind of brought about the end of your time there?
1: Uh, the studio closed.
0: Okay. So was that <laughs>
1: pretty much, yeah, I mean, that,
0: that'll that do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was there a, like, did something particular happen? Like sometimes it's like, oh, we lost funding on this. Um, you know, was there was there like a particular thing that happened or did it just kind of like evolve in, into that?
1: It it was I I um I think it was a funding issue. Yeah. Um because it was an independent, we worked in multiple different publishers. Um you know, we worked with Majesco, um mm-hmm. and uh, we worked with THQ. Uh so <laughs> I did actually I uh, have THQ experience before moving over to Volition. Nice.
2: Um,
1: but so every new game, you know, you had to shop around and find a publisher, and um, that can get hard. And, uh, you know, 2008 was when stuff was getting really hard to sell, and um, so we got hit pretty hard by that
0: yeah I bet two thousand and eight was a rough year that was
1: yeah that was a rough year <laughs> a rough year for
0: everyone <laughs> so so as as that wrapped up you so you're now without a job, and what was your kind of journey like at that point as you were like looking for your next employment
1: um i was i mean I was applying everywhere, and um i had uh you know i kept in touch with um full sales career development um and any full sales student watching this make friends with your career development person cuz they are great once you get in the industry too
2: yeah
0: um, yeah that that's something i'm i'm glad you mentioned that cuz that's not something people think about once you're even out and in the industry or even oh, yeah. just graduate long past graduation they're still a resource and you should use it. yeah
1: them. they are and um you know uh i had gotten a call from um rob coble was the career development for game dev at that time and uh he was like hey you know i i have this opportunity can i pass your resume along do you mind if i do that i'm like yeah that's fine but i've already applied to them twice and been turned down and um So he went ahead and did it, and actually, that was the time that I got an interview. Uh, But um, I had applied to Volition two other times by that point, and um, didn't didn't even get to the interview round. And so um, that's the other reason why I always tell you as your career developer, because... uh, Sometimes that can just be what gets you in your foot in the door. Um, Cause the other times I, I think I did just cold resume applications. Yeah. Um And uh, that, that was uh, rusty had reached out to get the resumes um, from Rob at that time. And so I had just ended up getting into um, an interview with them and, I remember in the middle of it was my phone interview, my phone died in the middle of my phone interview. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I was, like, freaking out. And um, thankfully, I was able to call back and get back into the phone interview. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> my gosh. that's I didn't know that.
1: That, <laughs> that was terrifying. Um, of all the horrible things that can happen in the middle of a phone interview, your phone dying is the worst. Yeah. Um, that's... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, um, and yeah, I just started the interview process there and, uh, I had interviewed at a couple of other places, um, and some of them didn't pan out, uh, some of them were not the right place for me and, uh, then Volition happened and I ended up getting flown out and falling in love with the studio and, uh, just really enjoying it. And then I got the job. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. All right. Should I tell the story?
1: <laughs> you can tell this. I got to
0: tell the story. All right. So, so just so you guys know when Ann interviewed, uh, it was my first time meeting her. And during the process, we, she told this story and, and the reason that i fell in love with her as a developer is because of this story and i fought really hard for her to join us was she was working on like this is a paraphrased version of this but she was working on a children's game and talked about how she used to play test the game on her knees so she could emulate the the size experience essentially of the person that was playing the game and make sure that it made sense for smaller players i love that kind of insight i love that kind of dedication I wouldn't be able to do it because I can't be on my knees that long, but <laughs> but that that just spoke a lot to me and and like just the thought process of that and and it showed me that that Anne cares enough about her her player to think about their experience in that way and I love that
2: and
1: I thought that was great. Yeah, that was actually that was All Star Cheer Squad, um, and it was uh, uh, it was a wee board game. Uh. And uh, the Wii board had not been released in America at that point. Um, so we had to import the Wii boards and we were still trying to figure out what you could and could not do. Um, and we had a lot of stepping off and stepping back on. And it was like, how fast can you do this with short legs? Because I'm <laughs> relatively tall. And um, so I, I was not a good test subject. And uh, so, yeah, I got on my you know, knees and did cheerleading routines on the Wii board on my knees to see if they were physically possible. You should
0: have filmed yourself doing that. Like that. There <laughs> or did actually you? might yeah. be video <laughs>
1: footage somewhere. Um, hopefully it is hidden right. um, for all eternity. But You're going to yeah, assume they're... that
0: does not exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But so this was then what you said, 2009 that you joined Volition?
1: Um, I joined Volition in 2010. Okay. Uh, So I think Gorilla closed at the very end of 2009. And then I started, I actually just had my 11 year anniversary last month. So I started in June. um, Wow, congratulations. So
0: nice. That's great. Yeah. And obviously, we were super glad to add you. And it's been a, you know, obviously a good place for you for this long. Uh, So. So let's talk about your, your start at Volition. Uh, when, and I don't remember, I forget details like this. So (laughs) when you got there, it was what Saints Row the third that was happening. Is that right? Yeah,
1: it was, uh, we were wrapping up pre-production on Saints Row the third. Um, and, uh, I came in, I think right before the end of pre-production and right before production started. Okay. And, uh, that was overwhelming. Um, and I was, again, the only female and, um, you know, not knowing really where I, like, whenever you started a new job, regardless of gender or anything, you, st- you have that time to try to figure out, like, what can I say? What can't I say? You know, all of that. And, I'm doing that um, right
0: now. So, yes,
2: <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, so i was and I was really kind of just thrown in and was like, given all these tools, and I picked them up really fast, And I also had scripting experience. And back then, uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our missions were done via Lewis scripting. And uh, when they realized that that was the case, and I could do Lewis scripting and all of that, they're like, oh, so we're just going to give you this. Oh. Instead of pairing you with a a gameplay programmer, it's like, here. Um, And I just dove in, and, you know, I had a little bit of experience. By that point, I had a little bit of experience with like the CryEngine and um, a couple of other editors. And so, My first week there, I was going to town with our tools and uh, just playing with them left and right and trying to see what I could do and what I could break and, um, you know, all of that. So (laughs) I think by the end of my first week or the beginning of my second week, they ended up giving me um, a couple of strongholds, um, which are in fairness like very simple i mean it's there aren't the big wow moments in those um those are definitely going to be handled by a uh a gameplay programmer but a lot of just the simple basic combat stuff and i was given uh the first two strongholds of the game and then as time went on i was given more things and. um just started playing around with it and having a blast. I mean, it was, you know, that's when you, you know, wake up every morning and are excited to go to work. And, you know, you're one of the few people in the world who can actually be excited on a Monday morning. And (laughs) it's an amazing feeling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is nice.
1: But I think you were still on RFA at that point.
0: I was, yeah. I was, yeah, I was on Red Faction until... Oh my gosh! Sometime mid 2011, I think somewhere in that neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I had Saints Row 3 or Saints Row the Third is probably one of my f- most favorite projects yeah? that I've ever worked on. Yeah.
0: Why? Um, why is that?
1: Just a lot of reasons. Um, you know, it was you know, my first game at Volition. It was um. I think the synergy of that team was just absolutely amazing. Um, Working on that project, like, you know, communication. So every game in the history of video games, people will come and say one of our biggest problems was communication. Um, That's going to happen with every game. But I do think, like, communication on that game was really good in between disciplines and stuff like that. Um, And I just, just the team, how everybody worked together, how everybody supported each other. Um, I remember having to, getting a phone call and on like lunchtime and um, having to schedule a flight down to Florida for an emergency like in the middle of lunchtime and get a ride to Bloomington so I could fly down. So you Florida had to go like immediately.
0: Day. Like you're okay. I, yeah.
1: It was like drop everything and leave. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know what to do. and I was still, you know, relatively new at the studio and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen. And I remember checking my email and seeing that people started Picking up some of my bugs And wow. like just breaking down into tears Because the fact that And these these were like Leads who had a ton Of stuff on their plate already And um, You know just being Moved to tears because of it That they were willing to do that for me And when I came back I was just like I can't believe you did this And you know one of them looked at me And they are like you would do the same thing Wouldn't you? And I was like well, yeah, but and he's like, "All right then." And um it was really it was just a family type atmosphere and yeah. um everybody got really close on that project and it was just a ton of fun.
0: That's that's <laughs> I mean, awesome. ultimately
1: it was a ton of fun.
0: No, that's that's great. I love that. So then you started the third like at the end of pre-production you were on that thing the whole time through production, yeah.
1: Through production, yeah.
0: So what was, uh, what was your favorite part that you worked on?
1: Oh God.
0: Or a notable um, part, if, in, if not a favorite.
1: I, I don't know if I had a necessarily a favorite part. I have like the, one of the, one of my favorite stories or examples that I give to people on happy accidents. Um, I worked on the three way mission, which is the, if you've okay. Spoilers. Uh, for who hasn't I think we're it. okay
0: on spoilers. Okay. It's been it's been a decade, uh, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been a while. Um, the kill Bane kill, or save Shondi mission mm. uh, was one of the missions that I worked on, and leading up to that, there are a lot of um, fights with stuff that you have to do, and I was trying to make them like super memorable when you drive up, you know, get everything set up and whatnot. And I wanted to have a VTOL in some of them. And I had set up a VTOL and everything and went to test it and um, kind of forgot to put a pilot in the VTOL to fly it. (laughs) And, uh, but as you're pulling up to the battle, no matter what area, what way you pulled up to the battle, it was this massive. A VTOL flying straight down and crashing into a building. And it was just like this super awesome moment because I forgot to put a pilot in the VTOL. (laughs) Happy accident. (laughs) I love those happy accidents. You get (laughs) such cool stuff from that. And like to this day, anybody who comes to me is like, well, I really want, you know, this really cool scripted moment where this vehicle crashes. Just kill the pilot. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. kill the AI that's flying it because that will lead to this really cool moment. And, um, that has worked on several occasions. Um, it's one of my favorite tricks.
0: (laughs) That's good to know. I'll keep that one in mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
1: So Um, yeah, it's, it's like just things like that, you know, when you do that for a year and a half and you have moments like that constantly, um, it really just does kind of add up and make just a really happy memory.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad you had such a good time on that. That's awesome. I didn't work on that project, obviously, but like, I agree with the family vibe at Volition. It was, it was a very good, very good thing. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it it was, it was, you know, everybody had everybody's back and, um, that at the time just really meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, that's great. So. So as you were, uh, finishing up, that project did you work on dlc for the third what was what did you move on to as you finish that one up
1: didn't um i briefly did uh a little bit of stuff with um insane i think i can say that because it was announced um (laughs) and uh then shortly got moved over to a project that you were lead on
0: that's true I was actually on Insane for like a month too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that didn't uh, last long. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> uh,
0: the, well, the whole thing didn't last very long, right? Uh, yeah.
1: It, it was It was kind of sad because I was kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, even though I still cringe every time I see it, the trailer on YouTube because it's got the needle going into somebody's uh, eye and it's just like, ugh.
0: It's so, so hard to watch. But
1: yeah. Um, so that's when I started working with you actually right after that.
0: Yeah. So that was the early days of Saint we call it Saints Row for Classic Classic. now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Saints Row for Classic. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That was a fun time. That was the first project I was straight up design director on, and uh I was scared to death. Like, but it was uh it was a good time. Yeah, we had you, we hired Ryan McCabe for that. I'm trying to think of who all the early the early designers were on that. Do you remember who all was part of the early crew? Oh, um, my memory is so bad with this kind of stuff. Yes, Lorcan definitely in the chat. He was he was on that early crew as well.
1: Uh, I think um, I I think we had uh Matt. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave. Uh, yeah, Dave, because I was initially in systems and, um, Dave is a great guy to learn from with mm. systems. Um, and Manny. <laughs> There's
0: a Marissa in the chat too. I had to, <laughs> so, so the early, the early crew, like from the, from the, like the director level was me as design director. Marissa's the lead PM. We had Nick Zipman as the tech design director we had Jason Whiteside and we had as the art director and we had Ryan Spencer as the, uh, the, t- uh, the programming director. Programming. Yeah. And then, uh, Jim Boone as our, as our executive producer. So that, that was a fun crew. Like we had, a, we had a lot of fun with that group.
1: It was, it was really fun. Just brainstorming. Cause we came up with some crazy things.
0: <laughs> we sure did.
1: <laughs>
0: with some really crazy. Things. Oh man. I see, this is the the time where I don't know how much I should actually say because like <laughs> there's there's so much about that game that that went away, right? Like it just ended up not happening at all. Uh, and yeah. we, we can talk we'll talk a little bit more about what ended up happening. but um, we had some fun stuff in in the early part of that game that that I think could have been really good. And who knows, like, I also don't want to say things because who knows what what's happening with future titles or whatever, right? So, because yeah. always we put stuff in a backlog and it's like, eh, maybe down the road we'll do something with this, you know?
1: I still have uh, notes from those brainstorming sessions. Do you really? I do. Oh, um, man. I save, I save notes for everything. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, cause it, well, it also helps because if you come across a bug or a problem or something and it's not a common thing that you instantly know the answer to, you know, you can go back and look at your notes and be like, oh yes, this happened. This is how you fixed it. Okay. Oh
0: my gosh. Um, I, need, so to yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I uh, need to do more of that. Yeah, I the notes <laughs> from those. Yeah, I definitely need to do more of that. My memory is so bad. Like I don't. I forget the details. Well, It's not that it's forgotten. It's just my recall is bad. So as soon as someone brings it up, I'm like, oh yeah, but man, there's so much that's just lost in there that I don't know how to access right now.
1: Yeah, but that was, that was a fun time and, uh, getting to prototype and that was a lot of fun. And at that time was also, uh, we did, um, kind of an evaluation on all our tool, all our tools. Yeah. And, um, I was part of that group. Uh, so I was given all the editors to play with, um, and was having, I had an absolute blast. Like that was like two weeks of pure heaven for me. <laughs> uh, every time I get my hands on a new editor or new tools, it's like Christmas morning for me. I'm so, <laughs> I'm such a geek when it comes to that, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, you know that was that was two weeks of absolute bliss playing with all these different editors, and then you know trying to figure out the stuff that we knew we were going to do um, and how it would translate versus how we used to do it, and um, we ended up deciding and it was like nope, we're going to stick with our tools. And that was really fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Because uh, we, like, we briefly looked at, like, Crytek. We looked at Unreal. I know we looked at some stuff just to see. But at that point, m- there weren't many engines that did open world, you know, and they're like, did yeah. it well, especially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, looking now at some of the engines, it's kind of like, oh, wow. You know, um, I don't know if when we did that evaluation then, if we had the tools that are available now, if it would still have had the same results. True. Um, But, you know, there's, there's stuff very specific to our games and how we do things that I think we probably still would have ended up with our proprietary tools. Yeah. And I'm biased because our proprietary tools are completely awesome. They are. They're good. I mean, years of of
2: specific development, right?
0: (laughs) And and you know, it was also really good that Volition, especially at least over time and at that time, really keyed in on its it's urban open world development, right? Like yeah. we we build cities and you know, we we do this kind of gameplay. And that was when you're that clear about your what you're good at and understanding that and develop around it, I think that that really puts you in the right place to do things well going forward.
1: Well, it helps drive decisions. Um, yeah. And so, in you know, if you know that you're going to have that target, um and this goes for anything, not just you know, volition, but any uh, tools, any games and stuff like that. Once you know what your target is, you can start developing and architecting to that and not having to worry about weird edge cases that, you're never going to have to deal with because you have that target and you're not going to deviate from that target.
0: Yeah. In a chat, uh, Dingus just said it's, it seems like a huge benefit to have an engine tailored to what you're doing. And that is true, but it's also a lot of work, right? Because you have to build all of that. And, yeah. and especially with that game, we were building tools while trying to design and prototype and build a game, right? That's, that's a tough thing to deal with. And you kind of have to, uh, you have to, What's the right way to say? You have to accommodate in a lot of ways, right? You have to be flexible in how you're doing things and and some things don't build up as quickly as you would hope because you're kind of waiting on some stuff, right?
1: Yeah. And especially when you do um, new tools and stuff and things that people aren't used to, there's a certain amount of education that you have to deal with and mm-hmm. uh, prepare for. And I mean, I, there was a, there was a good chunk of time um after I moved to CGG, and I know we're going way forward in the timeline here. but, um, I had probably six months of my life dedicated to training people on how to use visual scripting. yeah, because um, you know, at that point, visual scripting was unless you had extensive, you know, familiarity with Unreal, visual scripting was still pretty new at that point. And, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, trying to get everybody on board, show everybody how cool it is, because you got to get buy-in, you know, or people are not going to want to use it. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, show them how to use things. And uh, trying to do that when we hadn't figured out how we were going to, do things in the game that we were working on at that time um, adds a whole other layer of complexity <laughs> so I, I mean I remember training people was like here's here's a way you can make a mission right, or a quest but it doesn't necessarily mean this is how you're going to do it right. it's just this, this is an example and um, getting to do that and You know, Volition has a a usability room uh, where we have usability tests. And I, you know, thankfully our usability team was very kind and let me take it over uh, as a classroom and uh, ended up being a teacher for six months.
0: I remember those days, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it also takes the right champion for something like that too. Right. Because like me Rusty had a huge unreal background. Like he loved Kismet and all of that stuff. And me everywhere I worked had proprietary engines and at EA, I worked on three projects with, with their own visual scripting tools. So I came in knowing what the power of that was. And, you know, then like you and others that came in are like, look, this, these tools can do really good things. Like visual scripting is really powerful and easy to use. Like it's easy to understand. And that's such a huge benefit in that way. I think.
1: Yeah, and fun fact when we when I initially was put on the VSE team I was adamantly against the VSE. Were you really? I did not want to give up uh my text-based scripting. Um and so it was one of those where once I got on board it was like okay, yeah. This is this is what we're going to be doing. This is awesome and <laughs> Like once (laughs) I started playing with it, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can do a lot more now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really, I struggled at the very beginning because I didn't want to give up text-based scripting. And that's largely because I do have the programming background and I can, you know, bend things to my will. And um, thankfully, you know, working on the BSC team was, you know, absolutely wonderful. and. Barley.
0: He's kicking in his sleep.
1: <laughs> I remember when he was a puppy.
0: Yeah, I used to have him around the office when yeah. he was less than a year old. <laughs> man, he was, man, that, that's crazy to think because that was like 2015, right? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah.
1: Barley used to be tiny for everybody who sees how big he is now. He actually used to be really small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Small-ish right? Like, he was a 20 pound puppy. So, I mean, he's not, Yeah, like a... but he
1: could still fit in your lap. I <laughs> That's mean... true.
0: That is true. I've got some fun pictures of when I would bring him to the office. That was good times. Did I ever tell you about the time he took a crap in the hallway? No, <laughs> I was trying to get him outside and, <laughs> and I'm like dragging him toward the elevator. <laughs> oh. He's going down the hallway. Oh man. And I'm like, all right, I gotta get him out real quick. I gotta try and clean this up. (laughs) That was a very stressful time for me. (laughs) Oh man.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
0: (laughs) He's getting a treat now. Oh, heard that. (laughs) Yep. That that word. Okay. Good boy.
1: I know it's it's wild seeing how big he is now.
0: Yeah. I was saying earlier, when he stands on his hind legs, he's about six foot six. He's he's a pretty big boy. I'm glad he doesn't know how big he is. And and he's a very good listener, so.
1: My favorite are the giant dogs that don't realize that they're giant and they actually think they're lap dogs.
0: He used to do that. I had to break I, him from that one.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
2: Oh, my gosh. He's definitely a handful. But anyway, where were we?
1: <laughs> we... <laughs> I get distracted by animals very easily.
0: Oh, me too. Um, I'm with you. I am with you.
1: So I I, I have Bat, my, my cat Bat, uh, who will take over meetings very often. Oh, yeah. Um, and now I have another, uh, a, a, another one, Bandit, who is not allowed in the office because she will take over the webcam and pull it down. Oh. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that's not ideal.
1: Yeah, learn learn that really fast. She's not allowed in the office. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were talking about the VSC. Oh, I'll talk yeah. about the VSC all night. I mean you can sit and I'll I'll sit and talk about that forever.
0: Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I'm sure. And and I'm sure we'll cover a lot of it. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh when so we were on Saints Row 4 Classic. Yeah. And I don't remember how long we did that, but then we basically THQ fell apart long story short uh and but as part of that we ended up doing uh the we ended up changing what Saints Row the uh 4 was going to be and then also started a new IP and I moved over to to work on the new IP Saints Row 4 moves into develop the 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 Saints Row 4 you know and love moves into development and and you went on to that right
1: I went on to CTG.
0: You? Oh, that's when you went to CTG. That's okay, when cool. I went to
1: CTG. Central um,
0: Technology Group. For those that core don't know. technology group. Core, yeah. core, yeah. Because uh, basically, we we pulled the technology off because we had multiple projects to a centralized group that would support all of the things that we're working on. Right, instead of having dedicated programming teams to each.
1: Yeah, I, I think they they had CTG um, for a while at that point, but um, that was when we were you know, doing a lot of um new stuff, and uh, they made the decision that they wanted content creators um on
0: right the
1: group and giving feedback. and uh, that's how I got in. Um, we had a lot of content creators that went on to cGG at that point, and it was um, it was really i I we'll forever think that that is one of the best things to do is have content creators on your tools team. Basically to make sure Um, the
0: tools that are being built are effective for how people want to use them. Right?
1: Well, not only that, but you know, when you give content creators new tools, at least I will, I know several other people who will too. We'll break it. We will not use it the way it's intended to be used. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, uh, that was, um, you know, I think that was really it was really interesting for you know each group to actually be able to see how other people use it. it.'s like, oh, you're supposed to use it this way. It's like, but that doesn't make sense to me. I need to use it this way. Um, and uh, that was um I, I, that was, again, one of my favorite I, the second best memory uh, memories that I had I have at volition um was uh being on ctg and having working on all that because it got to the point we would come in it's like all right what are we going what crazy thing are we going to do today and um you know we made like a prototype of a quidditch game just to prove out how to do a flying vehicle it's like well let's figure (laughs) out how to do a flying vehicle and it's like okay let's make Quidditch because I'll be
0: more fun. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't remember that. Huh? That's interesting.
1: Um, it, it, I mean, it, it, when I say prototype, I'm talking, we had a stick that moved around and <laughs> flew and nice. you could throw a ball from the stick into a hoop. And that's a prototype.
0: Uh, if, that's good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's a prototype. like
1: um, the, the goal was to, to prove out flying vehicles. So, um, we proved out you can make a flying vehicle. Um, scared the crap out of some people uh, by how I did it, uh, which was hilarious. That's the best. Um, oh, that's the best oh, yeah. feeling.
0: I love doing that. <laughs> um, if a programmer tells me that's not supposed to work like that, I'm like, good. like <laughs> But it, it does.
1: <laughs> well, at the time, like, you know, and we were doing everything in visual scripting at that point because we... It, we were really at that point, trying to um kill our visual scripting editor, see see what the boundaries were. Yeah. And so, like all input, everything was it was handled uh, with that. And um we didn't have like forward vectors at that point. And we didn't have quaternions or any way to get orientations. Oh wow. Um, so I did all the math um with the math functions that I had. And um, I, I remember uh, I was showing it off to one of the programmers and he wanted to look at my script and see what I did and how I did that. And I showed him and he, I think, almost had a heart attack. Um, and he's like, why are you doing it this way? I was like, well, cause I need to get the forward vector. And he like went back to his desk, like in complete shock. And then an hour later came back and said, get latest. Cause you now can get the forward vector. Nice. Just don't ever do that again. And, um, <laughs> don't, don't ever do that again. <laughs> don't ever do that again. Um, do you remember
0: who told you that?
1: Bad. Do you huh? remember who
0: said that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a few people in my head that probably said that. And <laughs>
1: um but yeah it was it was you know that's how uh we we got a lot of our nodes we actually got that way was uh me and randy just pushing the boundaries of what we could do and be like uh we kind of need something to handle this because this is the only other option um (laughs) and uh yeah that that's how a lot of stuff ended up getting in there. And we just had so much fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is fun. I love that. Yeah, so, we
1: had, it was so much fun.
0: <laughs> so, so during that time, how, like, how long were you focusing on, uh, just cause like you, you also like bounced onto projects and stuff as well going forward. Right. Like you didn't stay in CTG that whole time. Right.
1: No, I. I mean, I think once. Um, I, I think once Agents of Mayhem started ramping up, uh, we started kind of going back and forth between CTG and. Um, you know, part of being a tech designer is you know being able to jump in and help out where needed. Yeah. Um, and so. You know, obviously you're going to be working on the project at some point and um, helping out where you can. And so I think once Agents of Mayhem started is when I really started bouncing back and forth again. Um, But yeah, other than that, it was more on the support side. Uh, Just, you know, if people have questions or aren't sure how to do something, you just, you know, look at it and be like, oh, you know, try this or, oh, you know, I don't know, you need to ask this person, uh which is my more common answer um, but so then you were I, in c t
0: g throughout s r four yeah
1: i was yeah, okay, throughout all of s r four I was on c t g
0: okay so what what was that evolution like for you? as it got later in the project and you're no longer like developing tools probably you're probably more in like a helping people figure out how to do things the right way mode i would say right
1: well for santa for um not so much actually i stayed pretty pretty heavily on ctg um i wasn't a tech designer at that point i was still technically a designer okay um so i was 100 dedicated to ctg occasionally uh, i would get a question um more specific to you know something similar to what i worked on on sr3 and like how how do you handle this or what's a good way to deal with this um because we were still using a lot of the same tools at that point for sr4 but um i didn't i didn't really work a lot on sr4 once i moved on to ctg
2: okay
0: interesting yeah it's it's one of those things where it, there's that uh, that need and desire sometimes to like oh there's someone over here that we know can help us you know like, yeah. like so it, it you had to have felt pulled at times you know or or at least heard that that you were, your name was being brought up
1: <laughs> yeah I mean and it's also one of those things it's like as a designer you want to work on a game right um, and so there was that there was always that in the back of my mind it's like well I. Don't want to work on a game and um then i i think i started getting to the point where um it was like actually i kind of really like what i'm doing over here okay. um and i i you know one of the things we just did a tech design um talk at JDC last yeah. week actually yeah. and um one of the things that uh We talked about um, was you have to be okay with not being able to point at something in the game and say, I did that. And I think SR4 kind of got me to that point where I started realizing I didn't need to point to something on a game. I, you know, being able to say, I helped make it easier for people to do this. Um, I helped give these people more time to make it fun. Uh, that was more rewarding to me at that point. And, um, that's when I started moving over to tech design. Okay.
0: So, so it was at the end of SR4 that that happened for you?
1: Um, I don't, I... I think I. It, I think it was actually towards the beginning of AOM that I officially moved. I think like SR4 was starting to go into that brain space. The end of SR4 was starting to go into that brain space, and mm-hmm. then um, AOM. And also, I mean, you gotta remember, I was working with Rusty, who was just wearing me down the entire time. <laughs> like, you want to come over to tech design, right? You want to come over to tech design, and um, uh, yeah, I. I think it, it was one of those where I started to realize, I was like, actually, yeah, I kind of do. Um, and then I went remote and, uh, that was when it was, it was the, it was set that I was moving over to tech design at that point.
0: Okay. So going remote, that's, that's another thing to talk about because at that time that was not a common thing across the industry. So you wanted to move back to Tampa, right? Where you're yeah. from. And what, what was that conversation like for you?
1: Um, I, I mean, I, 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 left for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gotten to the point where I was going to have to leave Volition to come back to oh, okay. Florida or something. And I didn't want to leave Volition. And, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, you know, she was just like, why don't you just ask if you can go remote? And I was like, because they're not going to let me. And she's like, just ask. You know, if they say no, you already know you're good with it. And um, I asked, and they were like, yeah, let's see what we can do. And I was in complete shock, because I went in there fully expecting to be like, no, sorry, Right. Um, and it was like, oh, okay. Um, and then when we, you know, got the go-ahead of uh, going remote, I, you know, we sat down as a team, the tech design team, um, and figured out how it would work. And a lot. Of, I mean, it, it was really difficult. It, you know, it was very hard because I was leaving. You know my family at volition and um there was there was a lot of you know am i doing the right thing and all this other stuff but we made a plan and you know we did a a grad. i phased out gradually um i stayed in town for a while before i moved back to florida and um basically tried to figure out all the the bugs in the system, so to speak. Uh, um,
2: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and that that was a huge help for me. I, I you know, I felt really bad for everybody going remote all at the same time because I spent three months working out all of the kinks in the system. and uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, everybody had like, what a day?
2: yeah, right um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um. But, you know, I had had an extremely, extremely supportive team uh, throughout all of that, and um, it was, you know, it was very difficult. And also, at the same time, this is at the same time as GamerGate. All of GamerGate was going on at this time. Oh, my
2: gosh.
1: So, you know, that was, like, just a whole other layer of craziness that was happening. And I just had a super supportive team, and it was, like, we will figure out how to make this work. And um, we did, we we had a major plan of like, this is how it's going to work and all of that. And I remember at one point I was like, I had been in Florida for over six months and I was talking to somebody on chat and they're like, well, let me just come down to your desk. And I'm like, dude, I'm in Florida. (laughs) And they're like, what is like, I've been remote for six months now. And it's like, I talk to you every day. How how is that possible? And I'm like, um and and that was one of those that was like, <laughs> yeah, I went remote, but I was always seen.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and uh yeah, that it, it it was it was very stressful, but it was one of those where it was like, um, you know, that team was my family. Uh hardcore to this day, they still are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it, it was really hard to kind of leave them, but I wasn't leaving them and, yeah. um, that made things better.
0: That's awesome. Do you get back there very often?
1: Uh, well, uh, at the moment, no. Um, but,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tr- outside of pandemic, do you?
1: <laughs> Pre-pandemic, um, I would go back like two, two, three times a year. Okay. And I would stay for a week or two at a time. Nice. Um, I was actually, like, planning my trip when lockdown happened.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Um, And I was devastated because it's like, wait a minute. This is my trip up there.
0: Yeah. That's something I'm thinking a lot about, you know, joining Insomniac is how often am I going to get to either North Carolina or, you know, LA after we're done with pandemic to, to visit the studio. So I haven't been to either one yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it someday.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it does make a difference, especially like pre pandemic when, you know, you're one of five people who, who are remote, um, out of the entire company, it, it's very different than I think it will be post pandemic. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of stuff that is just hard doing remote, especially in tech design, we shoulder surf all the time. Yeah. And um you, it's it's kind of difficult to shoulder surf when the shoulder is two thousand miles away. Sure. Um so uh yeah, I the ongoing joke was whenever I would come into town, I'd never sit at my desk. <laughs> um I I never sat at my desk. I would maybe spend an hour at my desk every other second of my trip is going to be at other people's desks you know figuring out what they're doing helping them in person in meetings um all of that and uh yeah i get i i get tired after (laughs) my trip (laughs) um but yeah, because I'm I'm running around. I would get. I used to wear a Fitbit, and uh, I would get notifications like, "Are you okay?" And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just on site this week, and it's like, okay. It's
0: like you are doing you would... way more than we're used
2: to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I would go from like two hundred steps a day to like two, you know, twenty thousand, and it's like, yeah. No, Man. it's just because I'm on site and, <laughs> you know, when you're constantly seeing people through screens, it's like, I could technically message them, but I'm just going to walk over to their desk.
0: Yeah. That's the right time to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and also that FaceTime is really, really good for, you know, helping people remember you're a real person, you know? Yeah. That's good. So,
1: um, but yeah, it's, it's always fun to go back on site and see everybody and, um, you know, get to participate in, like, studio events and everything, um, which I will say, you know, one thing about this pandemic is that a lot of stuff that used to be predominantly for, like, the on-site people um, has now been kind of expanded to include remote employees. Nice. And, um not like they were intentionally excluding us before. It was just one of those it was like, yeah, you know, we you you know bagel day. Oh yeah. Um so now we have remote bagel day.
0: Oh really? How does that um, work? <laughs> uh
1: so there's uh for people in um in town, mm-hmm. uh there's uh they do a drive up where okay. you can drive in and um put your order in and get a bagel. Um, and then, uh, for those that are remote, uh, they send us gift cards. So
0: nice. That's good.
1: We can share in bagel day.
0: That's awesome. Do you guys do any like group zoom things? Like do you, do you see more of that during the pandemic?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, one of the first things that, We started doing, we're having like water cooler time or coffee break time. And, um, just, and it's not so much like a company wide one anymore. I think we, we tried to do that, but it was just like too much, but I know a lot of teams will do it. And, um, you know, just groups like, you know, we, we used to have the magic, the gathering group, um, and uh, the lunch group, and I don't know if they are doing stuff, but you know, similar groups like that uh, will meet up and, you know, just have, you know, 15 minutes together. Everybody talk about random things that nice. are not work-related. And, um, you know, just kind of keep that connection going. Yeah, that's... that's the biggest part of this pandemic is, you know, the loss of connection.
0: Yeah. That's the part that I've missed a bit is just the the random shooting the shit about something. Like I I have to make sure I'm doing that through discord and stuff, you know, like just so I get those moments.
1: Well, and the other thing is, is you want to have that time set aside so it doesn't take over your meetings where you actually are trying to get work done. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's so different. I'm, I'm really curious to see, how we are different as a people after we come out of the other side of this. And it's fascinating to think about, I can't wait to see.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm really, uh, for me having been remote prior to this, um, I'm very interested to see how people act in hybrid meetings. Um, after all of this, now that they've been on the opposite side and been in the remote side.
0: Do you think meetings will become hybrid? Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure they should. I I think there's a lot of things about meetings in person that aren't good. That like, I I feel like sitting at my desk and being in a meeting with the same people that are in the office on zoom, I think is better than being in an actual room with people most of the time.
1: I, I agree with you and I think that's going to be more the norm, but I still think that there will be in some cases, hybrid meetings.
0: Yeah, no, there will. I I agree with you. I agree with you. I just feel like we'll do more of of this kind of thing, hopefully than than we did before.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be a lot more, you know, over chat meetings, um, especially because now working remotely is becoming more common.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. The better collaborative whiteboarding is something we need for online meetings.
1: They're... Um, So huh. <laughs> uh, if you use Microsoft teams, there is a thing called a uh, whiteboard. Oh yeah. And it is, uh, it's a shared whiteboard across everybody in the meeting and everybody has their own marker and can all write on it. Now, granted, you're trying to write with your mouse. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, I, I absolutely love watching and talking to people about how they have dealt with that particular issue.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, getting tablets, I think, is a great idea. I mean, and you can even do. Everyone could just have an iPad, right? If you could have the whiteboard. Connect separately on an iPad. So I'm like, you know, being able to draw on this thing while communicating through Zoom or whatever this way. I think that's a more realistic type thing that that, that might make sense. You think about that. That might even be a thing already. I don't know.
1: Do you remember when I first went remote, the head in the jar?
0: The head in the jar?
1: Where I had an iPad where I would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It.
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) You were like that uh, for, what was it? Uh, Was it Silicon Valley where they had the robot with the face on it? I can't remember what show it was, but it was that that Um, kind of vibe. Was that the office? I wanted the
1: robot. And at one point, I think we were talking about, uh, you know, jokingly, uh, talking about getting a drone and putting my iPad on that and allowing me (laughs) to fly the drone um, around. (laughs) That
0: needs to happen. Like, well, those have cameras built in now too, right? So, well, but you, you want them to see you. you. That's the problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't be able to see me. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I would, uh, you know, fly up through the air vents between floors and uh... through the air vents.
0: (laughs) Oh man.
1: Oh yeah. We, we, we had a day where we talked about that and just came up with all sorts of crazy (laughs) things that we could do, uh, with, that. Um, sadly will never happen, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) it it was really fun having that little brainstorming. Oh
0: man. Well, that was like, that was the way to, to make you feel present. Right. And for others to feel like you were present.
2: Yeah.
1: That was the way to get me into meetings. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially pop-up meetings. Um, but if you've ever been on FaceTime or a video call with somebody as they're walking, um, You know that it can be very nauseating. Yeah. Um, And that uh, became a problem.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I could see that for sure. (laughs) Man, and it's so, it must be hard to not feel like a second class citizen in that scenario, too, right? Where you're the one being called in, you're, you got the delayed audio, you know, those kind of things, and you're, and the people in the room, and this is why I think that the way we're doing meetings is better overall, especially with everybody being in other places, is, you know, the you're, you're truly present, right? Like, as well as anyone yeah. else is, instead of being something that people have to accommodate for, which we'll do what we have to do, right? Like, that's obviously going to happen, but it definitely doesn't have the same feel. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think I got... uh much louder and more assertive, uh, when I went remote. Um, <laughs> cause, uh, it would be one of those is like, you know, don't forget to call me into this meeting.
2: <laughs> right. Um, yeah.
1: or, you know, y'all need to stop banging on the table because the mic is on the table. And every time you bang on the mic, it, it cuts the mic out. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that, that is one thing like you going remote was, having to become a much louder in your face person, mm. uh, than how I was prior to that. And, um, it, it, it's almost like a complete personality shift to a degree. Yeah. Uh, because it is stepping out of your boundaries and stuff like that, but it's also setting boundaries and, you know, making sure that you are heard. Yeah. And um not being forgotten.
0: Yeah, that especially in your scenario where you were like the remote worker, right? Like, you know, that's that's gotta be tough. Was, I
1: mean, there were a couple of other remote workers, but on the design team, yeah, I was the only one, yeah.
0: Yeah. Holy cow, we've only got like 15 minutes left. <laughs> so with that being the case, I want to give you an opportunity to plug some things that you're doing. And I know we talked a little bit about a Discord channel that you have. Wanna make sure you uh, have some time channel. to talk about a uh, Slack channel, slack yeah. Slack channel,
1: Yeah. Um, so we like I said earlier, we did a uh, tech design panel um at GDC. Uh for those who have access to the GDC Vault, it will hopefully be up soon. Um called How to Avoid an Identity Crisis as a tech designer. Um it was an amazing experience being able to work with all these other tech designers at other studios and create this panel. And, uh, one thing we have is we have a Slack channel and, um,
0: I just put a link in for the request.
1: Yeah. That's a form to fill out. Um, basically, you know, why are you interested in tech design? Uh, or are you a tech designer? And, um, we're just trying to build that up to build up connections between tech designers and um, be able to share experiences and learn from each other and all of that. So if that's something, if tech design something you're interested in, please, please, please sign up. Um, I'm a little bit behind in, you know, sending out invites at the moment, but I will get to you, I promise. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. It's. So interesting to me to talk to other tech designers at other studios. Um, yeah, obviously we can't talk about everything, but um, being able to share you know, things that we've learned and learn from each other is just such a fun, great experience.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things. I, I put the link in there. I will add that link to the show notes as well for the podcast, so that'll be out there for everybody that's listening later as well. But is this also cool for people that are interested in it? Maybe not one yet or want to know more? Or is this more for like established people?
1: No, I mean, if you're a student and you um, think tech design is where you want to go, please, please, please uh, fill out the form. Let us get you into that. Um, You know, if you are just like, yeah, I have no desire to go into tech design, but I kind of just want to know what it is, just ask me message me on linkedin um but uh cuz that the slack channel might be a little much for you but if it is something <laughs> that you're interested in you know definitely uh join us
0: so it sounds like Talk linkedin the is the side. way f- you want people to contact you directly if they have questions
1: linkedin's a great way to to message me um i'm not super active on social media um so uh LinkedIn is a great way to find me. Um, I also, um, I'll give you my email address cause you can always email me, uh, which is also a good way to get me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let
0: me put that in the chat as well.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Um, So yeah, those are two great ways to, you know, get in touch with me, reach out, connect, ask questions. I love I will talk about tech design for a very long time. I'm trying really hard to keep my answers short (laughs) right now.
0: Nice. Hey, you don't need to keep your answers short here. You (laughs) you feel free to tell me. These are
1: short answers. These are the short answers. (laughs)
0: Nice. Anything else uh that you're doing or want to promote? I mean you so you just talked about your tech design talk. You want to talk a little bit about that, what that was and you know how that kind of came about?
1: Um it was it was uh just um John Diaz who is uh another tech designer.
0: Um also full cell grad.
1: Also full cell grad. Uh had wanted to do uh, you know, always wanted to do a GDC talk. Um it's something that a couple of us had talked about in the past, and uh, John, you know, grabbed the reins and ran with it, and um, created this panel and asked a couple of a couple of us if we would be interested, and uh, expecting at least half of us to say no, and all of us said yes, and uh, <laughs> it got accepted at GDC. Um, And, uh, you know, I didn't know probably half the people on the panel before uh, I started. Rusty was also on the panel. Um, And I, you know, now consider all of them my friends, um, even though I had never met them before all of this started. And um, it's really kind of a surreal moment right now because we have been working towards this panel since February and it's over now. And um, so... You know, we're still talking to each other and stuff, but it's very weird not to have like our weekly meetings together to discuss things and, um, just prep for everything. So you guys met weekly
0: for like four months, five months, months, wow, (laughs)
1: that's,
0: that's dedication right there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those, it's, it's, it's a very broad topic, um, to cover. And so it was like, what do we want to focus on? And um, one of the funny things was was it, one of the things about tech design is every studio tech design is a little bit different. Um, and in fairness, most design is a little bit different at every studio. Yeah. And uh, so I was trying to figure out commonalities and differences. And um, it was really funny because at one point we thought we would all have a different answer. And as we were practicing and going through things, it's like, we all have the same answer to this. Do we really need to go through everybody um, talking about the same thing? Um, and that was, it, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, as I told you, like, these answers are short and I'm rambling on. Um, we would go off into the woods on various conversations about things. Um, so, you know, we're all tech designers. We'd all like just <laughs> mm-hmm. ooh and ah over various tech demos and all of that. Um, and I told you before uh, this, you know, I am people get see the new trailers for games and get super excited. I see, you know, the new tech demos for various engines and get super excited. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the things I loved the most about this was that we were, you know, I, I was with like my tribe and, um, you know, being around like-minded people and people who get excited about the same things that I do and don't look at you like you're crazy when you see, you know, certain new tools.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love it. All right. We're, we're getting close to time. I have a series of questions that I usually ask we don't have time for all of them, but I want to ask you one of them. All okay. right now, cause this, I love this question. If you were born in 1870, what career or job do you think you would have had?
1: Um, so, <laughs> uh, women were not allowed to control their own wages back then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, um, were only limited to labor force jobs. Uh, and they also weren't allowed an education. Um, so, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I would probably, <laughs> if, if you said, okay, if I was born in 1870, then I probably, by the time I was old enough to work, the circus would have been created. So, I'd probably go work in the circus.
0: Circus. All right. Yeah. Doing what?
1: Uh, Aerial. All right. What I do now. Did you mention? Okay. I don't know if
0: you mentioned that yet. Did you?
1: Oh, I don't think we did. Yeah. Yeah, I do, Ariel. I like to hang upside down.
0: The tech designer for the circus. You could do that today. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> are circuses still a thing?
0: Yeah. Like, are they? Like, I haven't, like, well, I mean, obviously, like Circus Olay, yeah. which I love, but uh, I haven't seen, like, just a straight up circus in at least a decade.
1: I. You know, that's a good question. I haven't either.
0: Hmm. Well, now we got to see if Ringling Brothers is even still a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else on your mind that you want to make sure people know about you or your career before we wrap up for tonight?
1: Um, I have, you know, I don't know. Like I said, feel free to reach out. I will sit and talk about this stuff forever. Um, most people have to tell me to shut up because i'll <laughs> ramble on for a while
0: <laughs> so. it's not rambling if you're talking about something you love right like. yeah you know <laughs> awesome and i'm sure there are people who will reach out and i appreciate you for doing this i'm glad we finally found some time to do it and I know. uh there's been, <laughs> We've a, been
1: trying for months
0: it, it's been it it might be more like a year honestly but oh, yeah, it's been actually, a while <laughs> But thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes, but I really appreciate you doing it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you for having me. Yep.
0: Have a good one. Talk to you later.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. And don't forget you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jamison Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime.
2: We'll see you soon.